Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, are you there in Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to continue, not just in the Sermon on the Mount, but really continue the thought, as I said a moment ago, that Jesus started to uh, dive into last week. And I hope that we'll see that even how it connects as we read verses 25 through 34 of Matthew chapter number 6. And the Bible says this. It says, Therefore, I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the body more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and ask that as we get into your word now, would you speak to us? Lord, would you... Give us open hearts, open minds to truly hear from you and then to apply what we hear. God, I pray that every single word that comes out of my mouth would just be from you for us today. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would be able to uh, take uh, even one thing that you give us this morning and be able to implement it uh, in the way that we trust you and we place our faith in you for the everyday matters of life. And Lord, we uh, ask this all in your name, amen. Um, You know, you can tell a lot about a person by what they worry about. You can. Um, My family, when we go on trips, it's comical to me now, but uh, our family, when we go on trips, every single one of us is worried about something different. Uh, Me, when we start off on a trip, my only worry is, are we going to get there on time? That's my worry. And so I'm running up and down the stairs yelling at people to hurry and uh, grabbing the bags before they're even fully packed and throwing them into the van. And, uh, and I'm putting the babies in the car seats uh, as Rebecca's getting some last minute stuff together. Like I'm, I'm on it so that we can leave on time. That's my only worry. Rebecca's only worry, it seems, is that, uh, is that we have everything we need. Okay, so for me, I'm like, forget, I mean, if we don't have everything we need, we can buy it when we get to where we're going. Let's just get there on time. And she's thinking, what's the point of getting there on time if we don't have everything that we need? And so we both have different worries there. And then our girls, Felicity and Ellery, are just worried about the activities that we're going to do wherever we're going. Hey, is that place going to be open tomorrow? Are they, uh, do they have this going on? Do they have that going on? And that's, that's what they're worried about is the events and the activities of where we're going. 
And then, uh, of course, our twins, all they're worried about right now is mama going to feed us on time. Are we going to get the milk uh, when we need the milk? And they let us know when it's time, <laughs> definitely. Uh, but it's comical to me that uh, in one little scenario, there's six of us who are all thinking about and worrying about different things in that situation. But it's true that you can tell a lot about someone by what they worry about. Because what you worry about reveals your priorities. It, it does. Now, this topic, as uh, we alluded to in our group discussion even last week, for those of you who are there, you might recall that we talked a little bit about that there's a tension here. There's a tension between, uh, between living here on this earth and doing what you're supposed to do to provide for yourself uh, because we do live here on earth where money is a thing that we have to use to uh, exchange you know, for goods and things like that. Uh, we need food. We need sustenance. Uh, we, there, there are plenty of even principles in Scripture that tell us to prepare and to provide for those things, uh, those people that are in our household. And so there's that tension between that and worry about these things. There's a tension there. Um, that, and and it's, it's a healthy tension. There should be a healthy concern for what is going on in our life and in this world. Uh, Solomon even said in Ecclesiastes chapter number three, he says that there's a, a time and a season for everything here that's under heaven. Uh, and, he, and even in there, he says there's a time to plan. There's a time to work. There is a time for these things. And I believe that Jesus knew as he was speaking to his listeners, as he transitions to this thought we're going to uncover this morning, I, I believe he knew his listeners because last week we saw him say, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Focus on things that have uh, eternal value rather than things that have earthly value. Lay up your treasures. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And the natural tendency of his listeners uh, would be, and really of us too, would be to uh, go, would be to think, okay, but what about, <laughs> um, what about my food? What about the things that I need here on this earth. Okay, I, I want my focus to be on eternal things, but what about the earthly things? What about that? And the reason I think Jesus knew that they and us would think that is because right after he says what we saw him say last week, that you can't serve God and mammon, you can't do both, you can't have uh, your, your mind and your affections and your heart and all of that focused on the things of earth and on the things of, uh, of eternal value, you can't do that. And he, he transitions it by saying, therefore... Like, he gets right into it. He goes, therefore, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life. It's interesting because Jesus says that line or the idea of taking thought five times in our passage. In verse 25, he says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. In verse 27, he says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? In verse 28, he says, and why take ye thought? For raiment. In verse 31, he says, therefore, take no thought. And then in verse 34, he says, take therefore no thought. And the Greek word translated here, it's interesting, it's a compound word uh, that means literally, uh, one word means divided, and the other word means mind. The idea is that our mind is divided. Uh, that we're, we're worried about one thing when we should be worried about another, and so we try to worry about that, but then this thing comes up again. Uh, we're consistently worried and, uh, and, uh, and careful or full of care, as we're going to see another way that the, the, the Bible translates that word, in our minds. And Jesus is saying, don't have 
a divided mind. Now, what would that look like? Well, if, it's actually cool because in Luke chapter number 10, it tells us exactly how that would look like. Um, in Luke chapter number 10, you don't have to turn there, but verses 38 through 41, it tells us the story where Jesus is at uh, some of his friend's house, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and he's uh, there at their house, and it tells us specifically that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and fellowshipping and learning and talking, and it tells us that Martha, it, it says, cumbered about, she's cumbered about with much serving, She's twisted up and stressed about serving is what that word cumbered means. And, uh, and it's funny because she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, don't you, don't you even worry about the fact that Mary isn't doing what I'm doing? And isn't it funny when we're worried about things that that's how our mind normally works. We have to have, make sure other people are worried about the same things we're worried about. And so she even comes to the Savior and says, hey, 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 aren't you worried about this, that she's not doing what I'm doing? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, which if Jesus ever says your name twice, that's a bad deal, okay? He says, Martha, Martha, getting her uh, attention and says, you're careful, that word careful is the same word that we see over here of take thought. It's the same exact Greek word. You're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. One thing is needful. See, she was consumed with all this food thing. I got to prepare food, and Jesus wasn't there for food. He was there for fellowship. Uh, Jesus was coming to their house to fellowship. He wanted to spend time with people that he loved, but Martha was so worried that she had created in her, minds and, in her mind and thoughts that things were one way and in actuality they were another, which is what our uh, minds often do to us when we're worried, where we, uh, we think this is what reality is because that's what we're worried about when in all actuality something else is the reality uh, of what God has for us. And so we're going to look a little bit at what Jesus has to say about worry, about uh, being anxious or being full of care on things. And a definition of worry, some of the definitions that people would give is, one is just over-concern, uh, just having uh, concern way more than need, need be about things. Another one would be this, assuming responsibility for things that are useless, needless, or beyond our control. Worry would be assuming responsibility for things that aren't my responsibility, things that I can't even help. And this is the topic of today's portion of Jesus' sermon, worry and anxiety. Now, I, I understand there are complexities within certain uh, physiological and mental faculties when it comes to even uh, things like anxiety that can contribute to it in the body and that can be treated medicinally and otherwise. But, and I'm not discounting that at all today, and I don't think Jesus is either. Uh, but uh, I, I do believe that if we were all honest with ourselves, that we would probably find that we tend to worry about things we ought not need to worry about way too often. And so I want us to consider for the next few moments what Jesus has to say about this. And let's first take a moment to see what Jesus' counsel is on the matter of our worry. What does Jesus have to say uh, about our worrying? What is his counsel in the matter? It's pretty much easy. This is his counsel about worrying. Don't worry. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, don't worry. Take no thought. He doesn't say, take little thought. On what. He doesn't say like take less thought on this than the other things. He says take no thought. Don't worry. Stop it. 
I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a, it's a funny, it's a joke, but uh, it's a video on YouTube about counseling sessions and uh, how this woman, she's like, man, I'm, I'm scared of being buried alive. And, and the counselor's like, have you ever been buried alive? No, I'm just scared of it. And he's like, well, stop it. That's his counsel. And she's like, but I can't. And he goes, stop it. And eventually he says, stop it or I'll bury you alive. And, uh, and she's like, ah. So anyways, uh, Jesus, that's his counsel though. Stop it. Stop worrying. Don't worry. Don't take thought for your life. Now, it's important for us to see why does he say this, okay? He, he gives us some specific reasons. He doesn't just say, okay, you guys are worried about things. Here's my advice. Don't. That's not all he says. He tells us why we shouldn't worry. In fact, the reasons he gives, first of all, is because our life is directed by the providence of God. We don't need to worry because our life is directed by the providence of God. He says, look at the birds. I mean, look at them. They don't toil, they don't sow, they don't reap, and yet they have their everyday food. It's the same idea in Job chapter 38, verse 41, when he says, who provides food for the ravens? And talking about God. In Psalm 104, it mentions all kinds of provisions for animals of the earth. And then in verse 27, it says, these all wait upon thee that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. And in Psalm 145, same idea, verse 15 says, the eyes of all wait upon thee and thou givest them their meat in due season. The, the idea is that everything on this earth ultimately gets its provision from God's sovereign, sovereign and providential hand. Um, Arthur Pink, he, in his remarks on this idea, points to the fact that animals, the, all the animals, they get everything that they are provided, everything that they need, they get provided from God, and they are content. They get all that they need, and they're content from God. And yet, how much more than we need do we have as human beings, and often we find ourselves not content, and we're often worried about how we will get even more. And Jesus says, look at the birds. <laughs> they, they get what they need from God. Now, notice he doesn't say that they don't work for food. He doesn't say that. He, he says uh, that they don't sow and they don't reap. Basically, what he's saying is uh, they don't, they don't uh, plant the trees by which they get the twigs for their nests. They don't go and breed worms so that they can uh, eat worms and have food. No, no, no. They still have to go and gather those things. They still do their part and work to get those things. But, uh, but ultimately, that provision is coming from God himself. And when Jesus is saying this, he isn't saying that we just sit on our hands and do nothing because everything you need is just going to fall in your lap. In fact, I believe some people probably got this idea from Jesus' teachings as they went on because Paul addresses this specifically with the church at Thessalonica when he says that those who don't work don't eat. He's, he says that to them. And I, I believe that stems from people going, well, God provides everything, so I just don't need to do anything. And he's like, no, 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 you still have a part in doing things, but just remember in your mind that all of that is, uh, is directed by and, and a direct providence of God, and Jesus here is saying, look at the birds that they're taking care, for, care of, and aren't you even better than them? And then and he says, look at the fields of the grass. See the flowers. I mean, it's just grass. We walk on the stuff. It's just grass, and yet uh, Jesus, God even provides beauty for it with the flowers of the fields. And he says, not even Solomon with his most majestic and costly garments looks as beautiful as the flowers which God creates. And he, if God cares about even the flowers of the grass, 
Do you for a moment that he think do you for a moment think that he doesn't care about you? That's what he's saying. If, if he even cares about this little detail on which you walk, and he, he even says, which is here one day, and then the next day you use it as fire kindling, like that, he cares about that. Do you for a moment think he doesn't care about you? Seriously? He's asking them a, a question. And he says, you don't need to worry because your life is directed, all of life, but your life specifically is directed by the providence of God. And then he says, you don't have to worry because your life is designed on purpose. He says that the Gentiles seek after all of this stuff. They seek after food and drink and and clothing. Why? Because they don't know God and they don't know how God works. But you, he's saying, you do know God and you do know how he works. And because of that, you know that God is a wonderful and divine designer. Those who don't know Christ, they're constantly contemplating questions of what is life all about? What is it all for? Uh, why are we here? What am I made for? And so they constantly have to worry about all of this kind of stuff because they don't know what their life amounts to if they don't have that stuff. And yet those of us who know Christ can leave it with him because we realize he has a plan and he has a purpose for my life. And the ultimate purpose of our life is to bring him glory by making us more like Jesus And when we understand that, we understand that even in the times that I don't know where the next meal is coming from, I don't know what's happening, we can still entrust it to him. Why? Because he has a divine purpose for our life and he directly uh, provides for us. So Jesus' counsel is this, don't worry. Don't worry because your life is directed by the providence of God and it is designed on purpose. But I want us to also notice that Jesus asks some questions about our worry. He asks some questions. He says first, he says, is not life more than meat and body more than clothing? What is he saying? Because remember, when Jesus asks questions, he's never asking questions because he doesn't know the answer to them. Even in times in the Bible when Jesus says, how long have you had this infirmity? How long have you been lame? How long have you been blind? Things like that. He knows the answer. He's the omniscient God. He's asking that question for all who are around to know what he knows. Did you catch that? He's asking questions so that those who hear the answer to the question might know what he knows, which is a master communication tool that you ask questions to bring people to come to their own conclusion, the truth that you already know. It's a master communication tool. And Jesus here in the, as we said, the best sermon ever is a master communicator in asking them these questions. So what is he trying to get them to understand when he says, is not life more than me and body more than clothing? He's saying this. He's trying to make us realize that when we worry, when we worry, we're forgetting what life is really about. That's what he's getting at. Uh, Life is more than food. And if you don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) But life is more than food. There's so much more to life than food. And he says, your body is more than just clothing. Your body is more than just that. So uh, if we're worrying, then uh, we're we're forgetting what life is really about. And whatever you're worried about, maybe you have something in your mind that you're worried about. Let me tell you this, your life is more than that thing you're worried about. Uh, It's more than the person that you date. It's more than the uh, money that you make financially. It's more than any of that stuff. Your life is more than just those things that we often worry about. You were created for the glory of God in his image to be a reflection of his glory that people would, through your life, get a glimpse of his glory, as we saw just 
in the last chapter when he said, let your light so shine before men. He's trying to get us to realize when we worry, we're forgetting what life is all about. It's not about these little things that we worry about. Our life is so much more than that. It has purpose in Christ. And then he asks a second question. He says, uh, are you not better than they? It's right after he says, uh, your father feeds them. He, he, he feeds the birds. Are you, not much, are, are you not better than they? What he's saying is this. When you worry, you forget your worth to God. When you worry, you forget your worth to God. Think about what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He said, he that spared not his own son, he gave his only begotten son to us. It says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave up his own son for us. How what does it not even make sense in our minds that he would also freely give us that which we need? The greatest value statement God could have made, he did. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in, them, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when we worry about these things, we are forgetting how much we actually mean to God. The third question he asks is, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your statue, or t- stature? Uh, what, is, what is he saying when he asks that question? What is he trying to get us to understand? He's trying to get us to understand this. Worrying profits nothing. <laughs> like, you can't worry and add to your height. Okay, the, the word stature there doesn't only mean height. It has two connotations. It could either mean height. It could also mean length of life. So he's saying, if you're worried about uh, what you look like, can you change it by worrying about it? If you're worried about how long you're going to live, can you change it by worrying about it? No. Worrying profits nothing. In fact, worrying causes double suffering, is what one lady said I, was, I, I read after this morning, or this uh, week. She said, you suffer in your worry, and then if the thing you're worried about happens, then you suffer when it happens. And then if the thing you're worried about doesn't happen, you suffered for no reason in the worrying. So why are you worried about this? Uh, Why are you, uh, or can you even change anything based upon uh, your worrying? And the answer is no. It doesn't profit anything to worry. And then he asks two more questions. He says, why are you worrying about clothing? And he unpacks that a little bit. And he says, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, worries about the grass, which is here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, then how will he not much more take care of you? And with all of these questions, paired with the analogies that Jesus gave with the birds and the lilies, he's simply saying this, consider the birds, look at them, consider the grass of the field, See what, really what he's saying is this, see what is above you and see what is below you. From sky to soil, just know, I got this. Guess what? You're in that equation. (laughs) Between, Between everything that is above you in the sky and everything that is below you in the soil, I've got all of that in my providential hand and you're a part of that equation. That's what he's trying to get across when he asks these questions. What a thought. So, then what does Jesus conclude? He asks some questions. He gives his counsel of not worrying, but then he gives some conclusions to our worry. And really his conclusions are these. The first thing he says is, those who worry model the life of a pagan. 
of an unbeliever of the world. Those who worry are actually modeling the life of those who don't even know Christ. Now, we already touched on this a little bit just a moment ago, but worry is a way of life for them. When he says, these, after these things the Gentiles seek, he's saying those who don't know the providence of God, then those who don't know God and his providence, then this is a way of life for them, for the world. They don't, they don't have the blessings of knowing God and how he works. They don't have all that we have in Christ, which we've come to know if you were with us in our study in the book of Ephesians 1 through 3, all that we have in Christ. They don't know any of that. They don't know where this is all going. They have none of that hope. So worry is a way of life for them. And when we worry, we're actually adopting the lifestyle of the world, is what Jesus concludes. And then another thing Jesus concludes is this. Those who worry, they are presuming that God forgets. They are presuming that God forgets. Jesus reminds us this morning, your father knows that you have need of all these things. He knows that you have need of all of this. But when we worry, we're presuming that God forgets. And with our worry, we actually make a theological statement that God is either unaware of our need or that he's unconcerned with our need and both are unbiblical. He is fully aware of our need and he is fully capable of providing what we need. So we actually presume that he is forgetting about us when we worried. And then the last conclusion that Jesus gives is this. Those who worry actually have a faith problem. Those who worry have a faith problem. If I were to ask, how many of us believe we can trust God? Or if I say amen, we'd all be like, amen, right? Then why do we worry? Why do we not trust? If we believe we can trust, why do we not trust? Is really what we're getting at. When we scrutinize and analyze our lives to the point that we worry about things, we actually have a faith problem. Jesus says, oh ye of little faith. You're worried about all these things that God knows you need and God has promised to provide (laughs) and you're worried about them? You have little faith. There's a faith problem. You're not trusting God for these things. We, We cannot change any of our circumstances by worrying. So why would we worry? We need to trust God and when we worry, we're not trusting him the way that he has asked us to trust him. Worry actually declares in a way that we don't trust God. And when we worry, we're not trusting him, as I said, the way that he has asked us to. Either we don't trust that he's aware, which he is, we don't trust that he cares, which he does, or we don't trust that he can do anything to protect us when, in all actuality, he can. You might be thinking, well, yeah, but this, this just seems so hard. I mean... Pastor, we live in this world. There's so many things that we have to think about. There's financial needs. There's uh, rent. there's, There's food. There's my children. There's all of these things that I have to think about, and it's like impossible not to worry about that. Well, thankfully, Jesus gave us a way to have relief from our worry. Uh, As he continues, he says there are two things that he wants to give to us to help us deal with our worry. So Jesus' cure for our worry is, first of all, that uh, we prioritize God and the things of God, that we would have the right perspective. His cure is this, prioritize God and the things of God. In verse 33, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He's saying you need to rearrange your life and put the first things first. That's what needs to take place. 
It, it has to take place if we're going to have victory over our worry. His kingdom, his righteousness is a higher priority than any other thing that we need in our life. God first in everything at all times in our life. That is the right perspective. In Job uh, chapter 23, he said this. He says, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I'd say that's quite a priority change. (laughs) I'm not even going to worry about my food as much as I worry about getting the word of God into my life. Uh, In Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. And then it says, then you will have plenty. He says, hey, you know you're supposed to give. Give first, then worry about the other things. God will then bring the plenty. In Colossians chapter one, Paul writes that in all things, Christ should have the preeminence. Not just prominence, as it's often said, not just one of the main things in our life, the preeminent, the main thing of our life. In Mark chapter 12, when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, the weightiest commandment of all, what did he say first? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. And everything else hangs on that. But the first one is love God. It's clear in scripture that our first priority should be our relationship with God, our calling from God, and our service to God. But What about all the other things that I actually do need to have and and to do on this earth? What about all of that? Well, we need to do our part and the rest we give to God. Do our part and give the rest to God. In Philippians chapter four, verse six, Paul says this. He says, be careful, full of care. It's actually the exact same word as take no thought. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, casting all your care, same root word, care, on him. Why? He cares for you. Give it to him. Do your part. Focus on your relationship with him. Do your part in earthly things and give your cares and worries about it all over to him. We need the right perspective. And we have a heavenly father who loves us, who knows what we need, who has the power and resources to give us what we need, and who has promised to give us what we need. So keep our focus on him, and I believe that we would all, like David, be able to say, in Psalm 37, David said this, looking back, he said, I've been young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Those who lived righteously in Christ, those who seek his righteousness, I've looked back on my life, David, as an old man, I've looked back on my life, and those who have seeked the righteousness of God, they've never been forsaken. They've never been begging for bread. They've been provided for by our God. And we need a good dose of the right perspective in this life, one that focuses and prioritizes, or focuses on and prioritizes God. And then the second thing that Jesus said will help us to get relief from our worry is not just to prioritize God and the things of God over the things of this world, but that we need to prioritize prioritize today over tomorrow. Prioritize today over tomorrow. He says, stop living more than one day at a time. In verse 34, he says, take therefore no thought. Don't worry about tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He's saying, uh, we Uh, Every single day has enough to worry about in it. Why would you add to that by worrying about tomorrow too? 
Every single day has enough to, to take heed to and to work on and to, and to focus on rather than worrying about the future. Uh, he, uh, stop living more than one day at a time. Now, we're not talking about proper planning. Okay, the, the Bible has plenty to say, as I said, about preparing and planning for the future and, and uh, for taking care of our household and in so doing, sometimes that has to look forward a little bit. But what he's saying is that if we obsess about the plan and overanalyze the plan that we're planning for the future, and it takes over our mind so much that we're not focusing on the here and now, then it's wrong. We shouldn't be consumed with that as much as we should be with the here and now of what Christ wants us to do. Providing and saving for tomorrow is wise, but God is in control of tomorrow just as as much as he is today. The old song says it this way, I don't know about tomorrow, I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry or the future, for I know what Jesus said, and today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what lies ahead. In the last verse, he says, I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty, but the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that be my portion, may it be through the flame or flood. His presence goes before me, and I'm covered with his blood. And that chorus says, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know that he holds my hand. He is so faithful to us. We sing that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and the verse that it comes from says that uh, his mercies are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. Uh, Why would we worry about tomorrow when we already know tomorrow has new mercies waiting for us? Why, Why would we worry about tomorrow when we know God has new mercies waiting for us on that day? Each day has enough trouble of its own, and to anticipate trouble, as I said a moment ago, is to double it. See, fear tells us that our future is not under control, but we know as, as Christians that God is even in the future. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He already is there. He already knows what's coming, and we shouldn't cripple the present by worrying about the future. Uh, we shouldn't uh, hurt our, our relationship with Christ today for worrying about what he might want us to do or what uh, we might need tomorrow. Why? Uh, we don't even know what all that lies ahead, but uh, it is good. I, I think of what Paul said. He says, I has not seen nor ear heard what God has ordained for th- uh, the things that God has ordained for them. Like, we don't even know how good it is going to be yet in the future. Why would we worry about that? Because God has it, and ultimately we know we win, and we don't even know how good it's going to be. Although we know it's going to be good, we just focus on today. Prioritize today over tomorrow. Don't worry uh, so much about the future as much as we focus on what God is doing here and now. Focusing on a relationship with God one day at a time and focusing on being in tune with and following the leading of the Spirit moment by moment and day by day. Really, it all comes down to this. There's no need to worry. There's not. Because of who our Father is, what family we're a part of, and what the future holds for us. I believe it was MacArthur I uh, saw illustrated that way as I was studying this week, that he said, uh, we don't have to worry. There's no need to worry. Why? Because of who your heavenly father is. Are you not more valuable to him than the birds? Are you, think about who your father is and how much he loves you. Because of the family that you're a part of. You're not 
part of the unbelieving world. You're part of the family of God who has all of these wonderful blessings in Christ and in your identity in Christ. You don't have to worry because of that. And you don't have to worry because our future holds the hope of Christ and ultimate redemption. So we don't have to worry because of those things. In, uh, in the movie Lion King, many of us probably know this movie where Simba, the son, has, he, he's got a lot to worry about. I mean, he, he comes uh, from his dad just uh, being murdered, his uncle having been the one to murder him, and he thinks it's all his fault, and he ends up coming to this, uh, these two characters named Timon and Pumbaa, and, uh, and he comes from all that, and their, their advice is, wow, man, have you, like, tried not worrying about it? <laughs> they, they say, hakuna matata, if you know about it. Is that it means no worries for the rest of your days. And, and though their thought is just let it all go, like, don't just let it slide off your back no matter how bad it is, the, the idea still here for us is this. We could actually add to it, because of Christ, no worries. Not just no worries, because of Christ, no worries. We don't have to worry because of who our Heavenly Father is. And truly, Jesus perfectly exemplified this on the earth. The two instances I think of is, and his temptation here on earth when he was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And, uh, and he comes up and he says, would you go ahead and make this stone into bread? Would, just go ahead and do it. And Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He hadn't eaten yet for 40 days. And, and Satan says, how about you just do this? And what was Jesus' answer? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Later, when he's at the well with the woman at the well and speaking with her and his disciples come back with food. That's the whole reason he was alone with her at the well, sitting there waiting for his disciples to bring food. And they come back and he's like, I'm not hungry. And they go, what? Does someone give him food? And he goes, no, I have meat that you don't know of. What's my food? The the meat of my, the way he says it is, uh, my meat is to do the will of the Father. That's my food. That's my sustenance seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first and then allowing him to provide for the rest. Seeking, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then watch all these things that we so often worry about then be added unto us. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.